Come on. When I was back in New Orleans, we had a little song. We got to rewrite it here, Des. It goes, uh, Metro, praise we, praise in his name. Come on. Come on. Oh, Metro, praise. Now, y'all ain't feeling it? We praise in his name. Come on. Come on. Look at your name and say, come on. Amen. Come with me to Romans chapter 6. What a beautiful day. Super Bowl Sunday for us. Baptism. Thank you all for being with us today, friends and family. I want to talk to, to you today about why we get baptized, why it's so important. Baptism is not just a ceremony. Baptism represents a new life in Jesus Christ. How many new lives are in here today? You've been born again, and you've been baptized, right? And what that means is that the old person is buried. They used to call the, the baptismal tank the liquid grave. The old you is buried, and you come out brand new in Jesus' name. If you know anything about natural birth, Compare it to spiritual rebirth. What happens, women, before the children come? The water breaks. See, that's what Jesus is talking about. Go to John chapter 3, verse 3, quickly, and then we'll go back to Romans chapter 6. But I just want to uh, show some of you the, the concept of what Jesus was doing there in baptism. And then the message that I have today is to be dead to sin, alive to Christ. Can I hear an amen for that? But I just want you to see that connection of the water. Look at it in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus uh, speaking to Nicodemus. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born again. How can someone be born when they are no old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't go into the womb a second time and, you know, to their mother's womb to be born. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of what? Water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to what? Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it is going. So is everyone born of the what? The spirit. Thank you. See, being born of the spirit comes from the Holy Spirit. But notice water is there. Now you want to see what the water is? Go quickly to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, sometimes people instantly go, well, that's the water of the physical baptism. No, it's not. The Spirit and the water make you born again, and the water of baptism represent those two things. But Ephesians chapter 5 tells you what it is when Paul is talking about husbands and wives. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. And all the husbands said, amen. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, which is his body, which he is the Savior of. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to, should submit to their husbands in some things and everything. And once again, everybody said, amen. Now notice this, husbands love your wives. This is the husband's job. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, and all the wives said, amen, all the ladies there. But now watch this. To make her holy, cleansing her by what? The washing with water through the word. Notice that, the washing of water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Everybody say holy and blameless. Thank you. We'll go back to Bible karaoke in August. We're finishing off July using either paper Bibles or phone Bibles. Everybody tracking with me, right? Okay, so. Baptism represents being born again. Jesus said in John 3, 3, that you need to be born again. He then goes on to explain what born again is like. It's like being born of the water and of the Spirit. Now, people have argued about this over the years, and they have said, well, the water there means literal baptism. So you got to be born again of the Spirit, so accept Christ, and then go into the water, and that's when you know you become a Christian. Some of the people like Lutherans, Catholics, and others believe it like that. 
Oneness Pentecostals also believe it like that. But then they also have a lot of other heirs denying the Trinity. And then they say the baptism formula or the pronouncement needs to be in Jesus' name. The reason why they say that is because it says be baptized in Jesus' name. And so they think that trumps what Jesus said, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And they try to say, well, Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. Jesus is the Spirit. That is not true. Jesus is not his Father. Can I hear an amen? Okay, that's not true. But they try to sneak it in there. What they don't understand is in the name of... When it says that the disciples were baptized in the name of Jesus, that meant by the authority of Jesus. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 quickly. Everybody say, this is the introduction. I got to get to Romans 6. Don't let me forget about it. But I want you to see what, what it means by in the name of. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul is dealing with some division in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 13. Notice this. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the what? In the name of Paul. No one at that time was getting baptized, and I baptize you in the name of Paul. He knew that. What did in the name of Paul mean? Let me show you quickly again. Go to Acts chapter 19. In the name of meant by the authority of. Can I hear an amen to that? You're going to get it if you don't right now, but you're going to see it in black and white right here. Look at Acts chapter 19, verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Spirit when you believe? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So they must have been disciples from the early part of Jesus' ministry. They didn't know the rest of the message of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and these things. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? Somebody say, John's baptism. Come on, say it again, John's baptism. John's baptism, they replied. Does that mean when they were literally getting baptized, they said, in the name of John? No. See, Paul's baptism, John's baptism, went by their names and by their authority. So when you go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and it says the famous scripture of the oneness Pentecostal, I'm just helping you here, and it says in Acts 2, 38, Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. They think that means when you get baptized, we say, in the name of Jesus. That's not what we say. Matthew 28, go there now. Matthew chapter 28 tells us what we say. The reason why people need to be baptized in the name of Jesus is it's his baptism by his authority. Does everybody get that? When it says they were baptized in Jesus' name, that doesn't mean they said the name of Jesus that they did it. it. It was a way to represent the baptism they got baptisms and spiritual um, you know, symbology of washings have been around for a long time. You can find before Jesus' time, people were dip, dipping each other, putting water on each other for a lot of religious reasons. They even do that today in India, going to special rivers, dipping each other in there, doing magical incantations. So don't think to yourself, Christianity is the right religion because there's nothing like it in its practices. All religions share things in their practices. Holy meals, we call it communion. Most religions have holy meals. Can I hear any amen to that? When I was hanging out with the Hindus, we had Peshadam. We went to their temple. We ate the food. I wouldn't recommend it unless you're not, you know, strong in your faith. If you're not strong in your faith, don't do it. But see, I've been around religion. You know, Ramadan, they fast during the day, feast at night. The Jewish people, of course, had their feasts. So all religions have washings. All religions have uh, meals and all of these different things. So what makes Christianity unique is what our signs and symbols stand for. Our washings were not unique. People did washings. People did just what we did. They go back in time. But what unique about ours is ours was in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Look at what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 28. This is his baptism. Somebody say in Jesus' name. 
See, in Jesus' name, we baptized people out there today, didn't we? But when we baptize them, we didn't say, in Jesus' name, literally those words. Everybody track with me? So I say to my oneness a friend, show me where it says when they baptize them. They said, now I baptize you in Jesus' name. That's all they said. That's not what they did. When they baptized, this is what, what they did by the command of Jesus. Verse 18 of chapter 28. All authority in heaven on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the what? The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you for surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So what is the name of Jesus telling us about a baptism? It's his baptism. If you notice in my Bible, it's red letters. It's not Paul's baptism. It's not John's baptism. It's Jesus' baptism. And as John had a baptism from the Lord, he never baptized them literally in the name of John. And as Paul used Jesus' baptism, he didn't baptize them in the name of Paul, but he had authority to baptize, okay? Jesus' rhythm and his, like, uh, pronouncement, as you could say, like the, the right words to say come from him right here. And then how do we know that's what they did? When you look in church history, the didache, it says they baptized, saying the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Now, why is that important? Because you have to know why we baptize. We don't baptize so that you're saved. We baptize because you're saved. You don't do the ritual to have the thing be done. You don't go to the shadow to get the reality. You're doing the shadow. You're doing the ritual in mind of the reality. Can I get an amen to that? Did the Passover lamb save anybody? No, it was a shadow of Jesus Christ, right? You see, all that the Jewish people did, we, we see a lot of signs and symbols. Did that save them? No. It was what those signs and symbols represented. So everybody think about like this. When the Jewish people were looking towards the cross, those signs and symbols were helping them to see what was soon to come. Now we as Christians, we look back towards the cross through our signs and symbols. Do you all get that? Let me say it again. In the Old Testament, they had signs and symbols. Passover lamb. Who's the Passover lamb for real? Jesus. Who is our Sabbath? Jesus. Y'all don't know the answers to this. Just say Jesus. You'll be right. Okay. Who is our high priest? Jesus. Okay. So they looked at all of those signs and symbols. All of that happening right there was before the cross. But it was about Jesus. Now the cross has happened. We're in the Christian church. We're in the new covenant. What do all of our signs and symbols do? Point us back to the cross. Does everybody get that? Okay, so their signs and symbols pointed them forward, looking forward to the cross, looking forward to the lamb, looking forward to the high priest, looking forward to the washings, the washing, okay? They're looking forward to that. Ours are looking back. One more time. Can I get an amen? Amen. So what does the water stand for? The water stands for not the literal water, but the water of the word. The Bible says, go back to Ephesians chapter 5, that he washes us with the water of his word. And we as husbands, the husbands that are here are supposed to look to that as an example and wash our wives with the word of God as well. Look at it again. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the water. Washing with what? Water through the what? Through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now go to First Peter. 
The word is used as water in our soul. But guess what happens when that water hits our soul? It produces a seed. You are born again by that word hitting your soul like water. Look at it. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. You've purified yourselves. You see how that works? See, the washing of the word purifies you. Notice that. You have purified yourselves, or in the King James, your souls, by obeying the truth, which is the word of God, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from one heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring what? Word of God. Look at that. So you've been purified by the Word of God, and you've been implanted with, listen to this Greek word, the sperma of the Word of God. That's where seed comes from in the Greek, sperma. So when we look to Jesus saying you must be born of the water and of the Spirit, he's not saying by actual H2O when you get dipped in there. He's talking about when water comes into your heart by the word of God, it cleanses you, renews your mind, and plants a seed within you to make you a new person. And then how does it do that? How does the word of God, which was spoken by prophets 2,000 plus years ago, how does the word of God become a washing agent and a seed to your soul? By the Holy Spirit. Go to John chapter 16. Just see it there so you can make the connection. Somebody say, I'm learning something. Amen. Why do you thought they baptized them? Because that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. Well, why do you do it? <laughs> well, that's what we're supposed to do. Let's, let's learn why we're supposed to do it. Amen. And then others, I ask them, are you saved? Oh, yeah, I've been baptized. No, that doesn't mean you've been saved. I could baptize a pig. It's still a pig. How many know that water's still out there? All of us could go swimming in it right now. That doesn't mean you're saved. And then just saying, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, doesn't put any magic on it like it's now a magic pool inside of there. No. What saves you is the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. Why do we go through the ceremony to look back at what Jesus did in our lives? His death, burial, and resurrection. Think of it like this, and we'll get to it in just a moment. Romans 6, look at your name and say, still the introduction. Still the introduction. Come on. When, when you go back to Romans 6, it's going to say like this. Being dipped in the waters like Jesus being buried. Coming up soaking wet is like Jesus rising from the dead. So you can look at it like you come into that water dry. Your life is dry. You then come into it, you know, you stand in that water and you're half in and you're half out. That's your point of decision. When you then confess Christ, you get all the way submerged in, washed and clean, and the old you is buried. And when you come out, you come out a new creation like the water bursting when a woman goes into childbirth. But that water, that actual water does not save you. That water is no more holier than whatever water you got in your backyard for your kids' pool today. It's the Holy Spirit that saves us through the Word of God, that water that washes. Can I hear an amen one more time? Help this preacher preach. Now look at John chapter 16 when he talks about the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 16, verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he makes known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. That's why we believe in the Trinity. How many see the Trinity right there? Who's the one speaking, calling himself I and me? 
Jesus, the Son of God. The Father is the Father, and the Spirit is the Spirit. So when the oneness Pentecostal not only get it wrong in the name of Jesus, we got to say that over you. No, we say in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what we do. But it's in his authority. It's his baptism. He's calling the shots. That's why it means in Jesus' name. But then when they say, well, Jesus' name, Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Son. Jesus is the Holy Ghost. So when we say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all we got to do is say Jesus, and we save our time. No, no, Jesus ain't the Father. Y'all looking at the Scripture? Look at it one more time. I, who's the I right there? Jesus, I have more to say to you, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, why doesn't he say, I got much more to say to you, but when I come back in the form of a spirit, then I'll talk to you? No, he says, but when he comes, talking about somebody else, somebody say, Jesus ain't crazy. Come on, heretics and false teachers are crazy, but Jesus ain't crazy. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, notice this. This is how you know he is not talking about himself. He will not speak on his own. If Jesus was also the Holy Spirit, wouldn't he be speaking on his own? But he says the Spirit does not speak on his own. This person known as the Holy Spirit doesn't speak what he wants. He speaks what Jesus wants. Can I hear an amen? He, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. Now notice this. He will glorify me. Who's the me? Jesus. Who is the me there in verse 14? Jesus, like three of you there. Come on, help me preach. I'm just so hyped right now. Am I, am I, am I in the fast lane? Do I got to slow down right now and go by 65? Come on, I'll slow it down for you guys. Boop, boop, boop. Back it up, Pastor. Boop, boop, boop. Okay, let's slow down. I, Jesus talking, me, that's Jesus talking. Look at verse 14. He, the Spirit, will glorify me, the Son, Jesus, because it is from me, Jesus, he will receive what is made known to you. All that belongs to the Father is what? Mine. He's not the Father, but he has all the Father has. He's not the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit is going to speak on his behalf. Everybody go, ah, oh, the blessed Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. Who wants to do the Holy Ghost handshake with me? Come on up here, Isaiah. Grab your partner by the hand. Okay, do this right now. Come stand up here so everybody can see this demonstration. Grab somebody's hand like this. I promise it won't hurt them. Okay, you all ready? Father, Son, Holy Ghost coming down on you. You all see that? There's the Trinity. Come on, one more time. Father, Son, Holy Ghost coming down on you. Espirito Santo, I love you, my brother. So this is why we believe in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit can't be summarized as Jesus. Jesus is not the Father. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son. That's why we baptize in the name of the three persons of the one God. Not in the names, notice this, of the Father, Son, and Spirit. That way we would be polytheists. If we believe the Father is a, a, a separate God, the Son is a separate God, the Holy Spirit is a separate God, that's polytheism. That's why people who don't understand the Trinity, they come to us and they go, well, how do y'all believe one plus one plus one equals one? You believe the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. That's three gods. How many fingers do I have up? And then I go, one times one times one equals one. So you better multiply, not an addition here. But we're not doing math with God, but I got him on that, right, in Jesus' name. But watch this. It says, in the name singular of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what name goes to all three? Yahweh, Jehovah, the God who says, I am that I am. You must declare that Jesus is Lord, Yahweh. Father declares, I am Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, Yahweh. See, that's the name of the 
three persons, Father, Son, Spirit. Now are you ready for Romans chapter 6? Amen. I'm glad we got that introduction out the way. So why do we baptize the way that we do? Because this is the way Jesus taught. It is Jesus' baptism. It is in the name singular of our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. What happened when you were saved to lead you to baptism? You were born of the Spirit and the Word, the water. The Spirit used the water or the Word like water in your soul and planted a seed in you. That's why you get baptized. You look back on what Christ did in your life, and you make a public declaration. Let's look at it now, Romans 6, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Thank you. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those, or excuse me, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his what? Into his death. Thank you. We were therefore buried with him through what? Baptism into death in order that just as Christ raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. Somebody say new life. That's a good name for a church, but a couple churches already took it. Make up a new name now, Metro Praise. Some people are like, what's the Metro Praise? Well, it's a city, and then we praise in the Lord, and international means for the nations. But I like that name, New Life. You see, God raises us to new life. So the baptism is a symbol of that. What happened in your soul when you called on Jesus? That soul was submersed. In the Greek, baptism is baptizo. It just simply means to be submersed. When we baptize people today, we submerse them into the water. When you were a, a, a sinner, you were not in Christ. You were away from Christ. All of us separated from Christ. When you and I called on Jesus, declared him as Lord, repented of our sins, we were then baptized into Christ by the Spirit. And his word washed over us and put seeds within our soul. How many experienced something like that? That's what it means to be saved. So the baptism in water is a symbol of that. For people now to say that's what actually saves you, it will get a little bit confusing when we say this next part right here, if it's the actual baptism, because watch right here, verse 5. For if we have been united with him in, in a death like his, we will also certainly be united with him in a resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone has died has been set free from sin. If they say it's the actual baptism of water that saves you, it's not the spiritual baptism that happens on the inside, then we have to pull out some nails and get you crucified today. Doesn't it say you were crucified with Christ? How, how many want that as your religious ceremony? Get out the nails, boys. Dunk, dunk. Ah! Do you love Jesus? Yeah, yeah, I love him, I love him. You crucify with Christ? Yeah! See, come on now, think about it. If we miss the symbolic nature of our baptism, then why, are, then, then why not? If we make the baptism, uh, 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 what he's talking about here, literal, then let's make the crucifixion literal. Notice that it says in your baptism you were buried with Christ and then you were raised with him. Did anybody uh, physically die out here in the baptism tank today? Did anybody physically get raised from the dead? No, but when you accepted Christ, didn't something spiritually die, your old self? Didn't something new come to life? 
Whoever is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have gone. Behold, the new, uh, everything is new. The new has come. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, so I don't butcher that scripture. How many love that one? That's one of my favorites. Forgive me for going through it too fast. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Don't we believe this? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, the new creation has come. The old has what? Gone. The new is here. So the old is gone. Well, when I was at my mother's kitchen table, November 5th, 1995, and I gave my heart to Jesus, there wasn't a physical death. Spiritually, something went away. That was my old man, as the Bible says, my old way of living. And what became new that day wasn't a physical change. You couldn't have seen from the change of my my hair to my skin, anything like that of a resurrection. But on the inside, I got made a new creation. How many have experienced that? See, that's born again. See, being born again is not of the physical. That's why the physical representation can't make you saved because you're not born again by physical things. You're born again by spiritual things. Now, what happens to spiritually born again people? They get physical resurrections. So what we did symbolically out there in a physical uh, tank of water will literally happen when your body hits the grave and Jesus comes back and sounds the trumpet. You're coming physically out of that grave. Amen? Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that. Now, when we say that, are we actually believing that you're coming up out of a, a grave right now? No, we're saying spiritually you're coming up out of the old self into the new self. So why do these traditional churches mess it up? They mess it up the same reason they mess up everything. They mess up communion. Seriously, here's Jesus. Let's eat him. Come on now. You think that's what Jesus was trying to say? You all going to become cannibals and eat me right now. First of all, when Jesus was at the Last Supper, he's right there with them physically going, this is my flesh, this is my blood. So unless you thought Jesus was breaking off a finger and passing it around, it was already symbolic in that minute. How many know it was symbolic that minute? At that time, at the Last Supper, when he said, this is my flesh and this is my blood, how many know right there and then everybody's like, we're literally not eating him? Imagine if you, come on now, imagine if you're sitting there at the communion and you start eating the bread and like, mm, Jesus, you taste good. Jesus, good, man. It's wine, man. Jesus, your blood is good, man. Jesus would have looked at you like, what are you talking about, man? I'm right here in front of you. You know, it's like, we take these things so literal, it reminds me of uh, like Zoolander when he was promised that if he won this uh, model thing, that he would get to build a big library for people that couldn't read very much. You know, it's a funny little name. He came up with it. And the guy shows him the, the model of it, and then he squashes it, and he breaks it, and he goes, why did you make it so small? Nobody can fit in it. You know, because he's, he's so literal. He's going, this is my library. Get this out of here. No one can fit in this. We're not ants. But that's how people think when they go, oh, we're eating Jesus' body, drinking his blood. He's sitting there with you. He's taking bread and passing it down to you. Obviously, he didn't mean you're eating him. So that's why later on they had to come up with big words, transubstantiation, that it changes in one way but doesn't change in another way. So when you put it under a microscope after the priest has done his prayers, it still will be bread in one sense, but now spiritually in a way that no one can see, it is the body and blood of Jesus. That's just not what he taught. You know what the simple way to understand that is? Is that the literal Bread and wine stands for the spiritual flesh and blood of Jesus. Is that hard to get? 
No, it's the same thing when we teach our kids about the things that we're teaching them in the house, about how to grow up and put things in order and do everything. Like when my kids got to, you know, pretend lawnmower, you're going to come cut the grass with me? I don't literally say to them, you're not cutting the grass, you're just playing make-believe, there's nothing really happening. When he cuts the grass, I'm like, good job. How many parents play with their kids like that? Good job. No, now you all have kids or you don't play with them. How many of your kids have ever cut cut your hair? You know what I mean? Cut your hair. My girl's always cutting my hair. There's no hair on the floor. We understand that that's a symbol. They're, they're enjoying the moment of what cutting hair is like. When we're being baptized, that doesn't save us. We're enjoying the symbol of what it's like. Jesus is showing us a taste in the physical of what it's like in the spiritual. It's an example to the world like a play so that when you come and watch somebody get baptized and then you get baptized, you can see something to put your faith in for the future, for what really is going to happen. You're really, everybody look up at me. You're really going to be buried one day, but it's not going to be any more scarier than when you were dunked under that water. Because just like as you went from the water and under the water to up, the moment you close your eyes here and that body goes in the ground, you're going to open them up in heaven. And you don't got to be afraid anymore. Amen? That's, that's all he's teaching us. Just like how you go down, you go up. And just like how you came in there dry and you get submerged, you come out wet. There's a changed life. Now look at what the changed life is supposed to produce. And this is really where we're supposed to be. And that's why... I say to my Roman Catholic friends or Lutheran friends, because some of them believe this as well, I say, you know what? We can debate this all day. I understand you're going to keep taking everything literal, but let's just get down to where it's at. Are you living free from sin? Because if Father Tom ain't teaching you how to live free from sin, he has not taught you the point of any of this. The point of being born again is that you're not your old person. This is not a weekend at Bernie's, if anybody remembers that, where they carried around a dead guy in a wheelbarrow and put him in the golf cart and tried to convince everybody he was still alive so they could hang out at his vacation home. You know, they went to go see their boss, Bernie died, and they're like, man, if we tell everybody he dies, that means we leave the vacation home. So they got this great idea, a little spoiler here, okay, from a 1980s movie, which I think is rated R. We shouldn't be watching it anyways now, right? Unless you have VidAngel or it takes out the cursing. But instead of just rolling out, they go, man, let's keep Vinny around. Let's keep partying. So they put sunglasses on Vinny, hat on Vinny, take him golfing, you know? And of course, it's hilarious because he falls out the golf court and all these things. Listen, you being a Christian is not carrying around your old life. You're not supposed to be like at a weekend at Bernie's carrying your old life. You're, you and I are supposed to have died to our old lives. Just like my body will die and when I raise on resurrection, I'll never be the same again. My spirit has been changed. I'll never be the same again. The Bible actually teaches like this. It first happens spiritually, then it happens physically. You see, when you go to the Garden of Eden, he said, if you eat of this, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. What died first, their physical body or their spirit? Their spirit, because they were still alive after they ate it, right? But they knew they were naked. They knew the relationship changed. The way I like to describe this is they were unplugged. They were unplugged. Now they could just see what they were in the flesh before they were plugged in and glowing, glowing in the glory of God. And so what died first? It was their spirit. And then what happened? Physically they died. Now when you're born again, what's get, what gets born again first? Your body or your spirit? Your spirit, so he brings you right back to that connection. And then the physical body gets raised from the dead. So now look at it again. Chapter 6, verse 1. Read it with me again here. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace, grace may increase? By no means. 
We are not here to use our religious ceremonies as excuses to continue in sin. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Those of us who have been baptized are to recognize, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we, by the glory of the Father, we might live a new life. Keep reading verse 5. For if we've been united with him in the death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection. For we know that our old self was what? Crucified literally on a cross with nails? No, spiritually with him. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Because what controls the body? Your spirit. And if your spirit is dead to sin, your body will now follow. It says that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Are you physically dead right now? But have you died to sin if you're a Christian? Yes. Think of it like this. Before you were a Christian, according to the Bible, you were dead to God and alive to sin. How many used to be sinners? Right? How many at that time did God feel like a million miles away? But what fell closest to you was your sin. Can I get an amen? That's what it's like for sinners, right? But now that you're born again, how many feel this close to Jesus? And how many think of sin as a million miles away, something that you're not anymore? Yes, you may be tempted. Yes, there may be times you do it. But in your heart of hearts, you think about it as something you want far, far away from you. It's not like you're thinking to yourself, I want to keep getting away with this. That's why it starts off by saying, now that we got grace, do we keep sinning so we can get more forgiving? I'm going to keep sinning so you can keep doing all the forgiving because that's what you're about, right, Jesus? No, that's not what Christianity is about, is us sinning and Jesus just forgiving. Will he forgive? Absolutely. But there should be a desire to no longer sin. So think of like the things that you have confessed in the last week as sin. For me, it would be like, being short-tempered with my family, or lusting in my heart, or being greedy, not generous, okay? Think of these sins. Yours can be, uh, you know, between you and the Lord. You don't have to say them right now. Now, ask yourself this question. Do you want to continue in that? I'm not asking you, are you going to be perfect from this day forward to never do that? What I'm asking, in, asking is, in your heart, have you decided you don't want that? That's, that's me, right? Like, I'm with you there. I, like, the time that I got upset with my wife or I needed to apologize, today, right now, I am not thinking to myself, that's how I want to live. I want to be a jerk to my wife. I want to be impatient with my children. That's not how I'm thinking. Or I want to have a lustful thought. That's not going through my heart right now. So think of what Paul is saying here. He's saying you and I are supposed to be crucified to those things, dead to those things. Now, what do we do moving forward? Because you just can't hate sin. You can't just say, I don't like sin. You also have to replace your sin with something else. In other words, you just can't be dead to sin. You have to be alive to God. Look at verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death has no mastery over him. The death he died to sin once and for all, the life he lives, he now lives to God. Verse 11. Everybody saying the same way. Thank you. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but what? Alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
Therefore, do not let sin reign over your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. That's what baptism represents. And offer every part of your life to him as an instrument of righteousness. Like a little trumpet or a guitar, you're going to let God play your life. Amen? God's going to play you like a fiddle. God's going to play your life like an instrument. You don't want to be a whack, out-of-tune, wicked instrument. You want to be a pure and holy instrument. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are no longer under the law but under grace. Amen? Let me just give you a few application points. I don't want to keep us long today. But let us embrace the new life of Jesus Christ. That's what the baptism tells us, is that we're no longer the same. We're now made new in Jesus. Each one of our sins, our temptations, or the flavor of sin that we have, we are to consider dead and not offer our bodies to it. And this is where the world wants to tell you, it's not that easy. You have to do all these other things. But I'm going to tell you right now, true Christianity does what the world can't comprehend or understand. There are people like my friends today who are still trying to stop smoking, stop smoking Marlboro Lights. They're not vaping. My friends are old school. They're going straight to tobacco, y'all. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody got any old school smoker friends in their lives? No, I guess I'm the only unsaved person here, just a few. Or that I hung out with unsaved people. I'm saved now, but you know what I mean. My friends like old school, pack of Marlboro smoking. They're still trying to quit. Do you know how long it took me to quit? One moment in God's presence with a prayer. Now, at that time, they could look at me and call me crazy. Oh, it doesn't work like that. It worked like that for me. At that time, they could have said, no, Joe, you're going to go back to it. There's no way that that really worked. It worked like that for me almost, almost 30 years now. Jesus. Drugs, alcohol, getting drunk, not 12 steps, one step to Jesus. One step. November 5th, 1995 was last time I got high on drugs. Now I just get high on the most high. Give, give Jesus a try. Amen. No high like the most high, baby. It's, it's the real deal. But here's the thing. Oh, I still got friends going in and out of cycles. Oh, I'm trying to quit weed. I'm trying to quit this. I'm, I'm going back to this rehab. Pray for my family, y'all. My, my family, one of my sisters died drinking and driving. The other two are functioning alcoholics and drug addicts. Okay, listen to me. This is real. And they look at me as if I did something special, like there's something better about me. No, baby, I'm not better. I'm just better off. There's nothing about me that did it. If you looked at me in the, in the mindset that I was in November 5th, 1995, I wasn't in a sober mindset. I was high the day I got saved. I wasn't in, uh, I'm going to change myself. I wasn't going to, uh, what is that guy, Tony, whatever, and he's got those motivational um, uh, Tony Robinson, thank you. It's not like I just signed up for Tony Robinson. Now, does some of that stuff work for people? Absolutely. Why? Because they're putting into principles, uh, uh, putting into action the principles of the Bible, self-discipline, believing in yourself, you know, speaking life, all of that. But how do you explain the miracle? How do you explain that? You can't unless you believe in God. See, Jesus Christ saves. Jesus Christ changes. I didn't have sex again outside of marriage ever, and then I didn't have sex again until I got married. I didn't look at pornography again since 96. I still haven't looked at pornography. I was asking one of my pastor friends, in a co we were at a conference, sharing a hotel room together, and I was just trying to keep them accountable, and I said, brother, when was the last time you looked at pornography? And my pastor friend looked at me and said, that's none of your business. I said, oh, it was that recent, huh? 
He said, shut up, man. I said, well, you got to tell somebody. When I lived in New Orleans, I had another one of my pastor's friends say he was leaving to get po' boys. And if you haven't had po' boys, you have not lived. Po' boy. It comes from poor boy, but you got to say like your knowledge, y'all, okay? Po' boy. Po', P-O, po'. And I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm not just poor. I'm po'. Okay, it's like that. Po' boys. And what it is, it's just think of like any one of our hoagie sandwiches here, like Italian beef type sandwiches with those rolls, but it's got fried seafood in it. Mm-mm-mm. Fried scrimp all up in there. And then they put a little lettuce, tomato, and I'll tell you what, the pickles really set it off, okay? And so he went out to go, man, to go get some po' boys because they have 24-hour gas stations that sell po' boys. Listen, if you weren't getting po' boys at the gas station, you weren't getting them right. If mama wasn't coming out with the hairnet on, being sassy, acting like, what you doing in her shop? You weren't at the right one. What you need, baby? Okay, I'll get that for you. You know, if, if you ain't dealing with that, you ain't getting the right ones, okay? And let me just say this right now. Chick-fil-A is so overrated. It's Popeyes in churches all day long, okay? Anyways, anyways. He went out to get pole boys. Two hours later, he comes back as pale as a ghost. Shook up. Looking like he's about ready to pass out. I said, what happened? Well, I went to the gas station. And then I got tempted to go to Bourbon Street. And then I asked the hooker to get into my car because they run them all up and down the streets. I had her in my car. I was about ready to go into a parking lot. This is my pastor friend, preaching friend. He said, then the Lord convicted me. I dropped her off right there and I came back home. See, man, don't tell me that this don't work. Why didn't I turn into that? Why didn't I fall? Why, why am I still here? You see, if you don't take, keep yourself dead to sin, sin is right there to pounce on you in 30 seconds. Sin is real. How many know sin is real? Temptation is real. The only reason why I haven't cheated on my wife, gone down the road to do something crazy like that, is because I'm dead to sin. I want Jesus. I want to remember my baptism as the place where the old Joe died and a new life came. Amen? I'm not who I was from November 5th, 1995. I'm that new man right now. I'm that 2.0 Joe. I'm that 2.0 Joe. That rhymes. Amen? Put that in a little wrap somewhere. I'm that 2.0 Joe. Whoa. I'm that 2.0 Joe. Oh. <laughs> Y'all hype on this side. You with me? Come on. Baptism day got me all excited. See, th- this is the way I look at it. If you want a new life, you got to stay with Jesus. It is that simple. The difference between living for Christ as a Christian and being victorious and getting whooped by the devil, still claiming you're a Christian, is what you believe happened the day you got saved. If you believe the day you got saved you were changed, you will not believe the temptation is who you are. The temptation is not who you are. It's a shadow of who you used to be. When you look at my shadow, is that me? You see, that's not me, is it? The old you is a shadow of you. That's not you. You're a new you. You are a new person. You were made to be righteous in Christ. You are crucified with Christ, dead to sin. Can I get someone on the uh, the keyboards, please? A few more examples. When they went into that baptism, did they have to put in work to get baptized? Okay, here I come. I'm going to get baptized. And they put on that little diving cap, and then they do a double flip in there. Literally, the number one thing we say to them is, just relax. We got you. Right? Those of you who have been baptized, we got you. We just All I need you to do is just lean back, and I got you. They don't even lift themselves up. They can just let it go. Everybody say, let go and let God. 
There's a good Christian rap song out there called that too. Look it up. Let go. Let God. Let go. Let God. I'm just hyped today, man. There's a good Christian rap song out there called Let Go and Let God. It's a female rapper. She's awesome. But when they were getting baptized, did you, you know, whenever they get nervous, they go like, you know, but, but most of them all today, did you see them just relax and just go back? Just go back. You let go and you let God. Well, I don't know how to die to my old self. I don't know how to change myself. This is not a self-help program. Do you know how to let go? That's all you need to do. Whatever comes next out of do you know how to let go, if that's not yes and amen, that's your excuse. That's what's holding you back. Do you know how to let go? Yeah, but sometimes, you see, that's when you put that big old button away. But, 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 you got to put that butt on slim fast. Get rid of that. Oh, pastor said Jesus can, can save us and make us new creations. But I think it's harder than that. I think it takes a lot more work than that. Pastor said that he got set free from smoking. But I do vaping, and vaping is different. Pastor said he hasn't looked at porn in almost 30 years. But he's not, he's not testosterone driven like me. Man, I'm a man. I got six kids. I've had some men try to tell me, well, you must not be like me. Dude, I'm not even going to tell you about my private life, but I got six kids. That's all I'm going to say. There's hardly a day that goes by. I'm just going to leave it at that, where my wife and I are not enjoying the pleasures of marriage. Well, you must not be a man. I'm a man. Every part of me is a man, but it doesn't work like that. Well, get your big old butt out the way. Get your butt out the way and let God do it. When we as pastors stand up here and tell you these things, it's funny and I get it, but I'm not even here to make it be like I'm somebody special with this. Because when I put down my mic and I hop back in my car, I got to live for Jesus just like you with nobody around. And it's got to be real. Because I don't want to be like my, my friend being pimped by the devil. Because the Bible says if you don't make, slave, uh, if you don't make the, the sin in your life your slave, the sin in your life is going to take over and be your slave master. So you better put that sin in check in Jesus' name. You better tell the devil and your flesh, you're not in charge here. It's the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen? And so when people say it doesn't work like that or it's different or you must think you're better than me, no, they're missing it. Everyone who wanted to get baptized today got baptized. They didn't have to force it. They didn't have to make it happen. That's why I like when, when you look back in the Bible days and they did it outdoors in, the, in the God's creation, in God's nature. You don't make that river. You don't make that lake. You just let yourself go. And God's there to bring somebody and help you do it. Bring you down, bring you up. You know, that pastor or that leader that's there doing that, they're representing the helper of the Holy Spirit. Me as a pastor, I represent the Holy Spirit, that water, when I give you the word. I represent the Holy Spirit when I'm there encouraging you or your life group leader or your discipler. But we're not the Holy Spirit. How many know I'm not the Holy Spirit? Somebody, you know, says, said to me one time, well, I thank God, you know, for you because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here today. I know what they mean, but listen, that puts the fear of God in me because I'm not, I'm not Aladdin. I'm not your genie. Look, if it wasn't for me, God would have used the next one down the road. Yeah, but I saw the Chicago for Jesus shirt. Yeah, but the next one was New Life Covenant shirt. God's got his people, man. He'll do it with or without me. I'm just glad I get to be a part of it. Aren't you happy? Amen. You get to be a part of it. He didn't have to use you, but he wanted to use you. And guess what? You don't have to do this. You get to do this. So I know what they mean, but it puts the fear of God in me. 
Because I know, man, I, I didn't do anything except obey, follow. I'm just a waiter. Think about it like that when you come to church or Bible study and life group. All we're doing is taking what that chef made. A lot of times I like to watch these shows, the, the master chef, uh, you know, competition with Gordon Lindsay. How many know he is wild? Is his name not Gordon Lindsay? Uh, Ramsey, thank you. Gordon Lindsay is the founder of, uh, of a Bible college in Dallas. I get them all mixed up. Gordon Ramsay, that crazy dude. What he does, man, is he comes and he puts these home chefs in this competition, you know? And I feel so bad for him because they've just been at home making pizzas. And now he's like teaching them how to make like a three-star Michelin thing. And like, now you all go do it. I'm going to judge you by it. Wouldn't that just be crazy if we did that in the church like publicly all the time? I'm going to judge you as a disciple compared to how I've been living for Jesus. But how many are glad we don't do that? Like, you think you know the Bible? You don't know the Bible. You think this has salt? I don't have enough. They just call them out. But think about this. In the world, they'll do it for money and think nothing of it. And yet when we do it gently with you to try to help you, you still get offended. But now watch this. Can I tell you that Christianity is better than the master chef? Because the Holy Spirit comes right to your cooking station. Come on. See, Gordon Ramsay, he gives them that little example. Then he walks around just gives them a little bit of advice and kind of lets them on their own. That's not Christianity. The Holy Spirit, come on, sister. What does he do? He shows you what he wants you to do, and then he comes right next to you. Taste it. Oh, that needs more salt. Now watch, we're going to put it in here, put it right in there. The Bible says those who are born of the Spirit are led by the Spirit. There's not a day that goes by that I don't hear God speaking to me. Before you have ever convicted me of my sin, and you need to. Pastor, I think you are harsh. Pastor, I think you're this. That's great. But before you have ever spoken to me, or my wife has spoken to me, the Holy Spirit already spoke to me. Because he's there cooking it up with me. Amen? So brothers and sisters, don't make excuses for Christianity. Don't say this is too good to be true. Believe it because it's so good it is true. Only God can do it. See, all other religions, they kind of make sense, don't they? If I do a little bit of yoga, I do a little bit of meditation, I become a, a vegan, do the crooked chicken, now I'll be less stressed out. That kind of like makes sense to your brain up here, right? But what does Jesus say? Confess me as Lord and get dunked in water and start your new life. And the world looks at it like it's a joke, like, what? Because there are a lot of hypocrites that they only see it on the outside of that. And they give us a bad name. But how many know there's many like myself and you here today that have been living for the Lord for years, and that's what it was. It was letting go and letting God. Remember when Jesus was on that cross, he wasn't fighting. He wasn't squirming. He said, not my will, but your will be done. And he went to the cross, and he took it. The old timers used to say, if you can uh, take it, you can make it. Christianity may come with ups and downs. I get it. But if we all remember what baptism means, we won't be so quick to quit because it was never based on us and our effort. It's like trying to run a marathon on your own or riding in that little uh, buggy that follows behind them. How many would rather be in the buggy than trying to run that 25K or whatever? I know some of you all crazy. You like to run. Listen, if you ever see me running, I'm not jogging. Run with me. Something's happening. You see me running, don't be like, hey, Joe, Joe's hooking up jogging. I'm running from something. You just run with me. But behind those races, there's a guy in a buggy. 
He's just chilling. I was watching that too with the Tour de France. These guys are like, man, they are working so hard. They are about ready to die. And there's guys sitting in the air conditioning car. I want to tell you, when you look at the people of world religions, Muslims praying five times a day, fasting during this, you watching Catholics doing this, looking for another water stain to put flowers in front of, you watch the Buddhists, they're trying to meditate. I had a Buddhist friend that said he would sit still for 12 hours on three-day retreats. And the biggest thing he accomplished was not to itch his nose when it was itchy. I'm like, man, y'all working, doing all that. I'm sitting in the air-conditioned ride that says it is finished. By grace through faith, you have been saved. There is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Hallelujah. And whatever good work I do, the Bible says he's working it with me. The Bible says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my load is light, and you shall find rest for your souls. Christianity is not a get-or-done religion. It is a it-is-done relationship. It is finished. And so that's why today we'll go out here and win against the temptation. Is because we're going to stand in Christ. I don't fight my battle with the weapons of this world. The Bible says we fight with the Word of God. And what we need is that Word of God to wash our minds. That's why in Romans chapter 11, if you could put it up for us, brother, quickly, it says, be renewed in your mind. That's how you win it. It's in your mind. And the Word of God is the only thing that can go that deep. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. I speak this to you as an expert, but I say it humbly as your servant. I have gotten my doctorate degree. I have studied these religions. I have the Quran in my house. I have the Bhagavad Gita. I got the Book of Mormon. I got it, man. There's probably not a major religion that I haven't had to read and study. Most of the time, they make me want to puke. Listen to me. There is something about the Bible when you read it and you hear something like, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the mocker, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yield its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. That's the first psalm that I ever memorized, Psalm chapter 1. There is something about the Word of God. When you begin to memorize it and put it into your heart, it washes you. It cleanses you. It gives you the opportunity to have dreams and visions of what you could be with God. It's like a blueprint to your success. Romans 12, 1, please. It's a blueprint to your success. I never saw myself as a husband until I saw it in the Word of God like we read it in Ephesians 5. I never saw myself as a preacher until I saw it in the Word of God. I could see it coming to pass. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies right here, this body, this physical body that we know will die one day, offered as a living sacrifice. It doesn't always feel good, Joe. Yeah, you're a living sacrifice. It's not always going to feel good. But you know what? You're going to be holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Sometimes you're going to be tempted to get out the car and start pedaling the bike with the rest of them. But you've got to trust God in the car that he knows what he's doing. You know the biggest challenge of Christianity is trust. 
The biggest challenge of Christianity is allowing God to dunk you back into that grave and to trust that your old man is dead. A lot of times people, they just want those quick fixes. They just want, they just want the idea to be fixed into their brain like a download. Like, boop, I got it, now I'm never the same. Go to the next verse, please. This is how it works, though. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, look at it. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Somebody say metamorphosized. Comes from the Greek word metamorpho. It's what happens when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. It's the Greek word there. But be metamorphosized, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Every time I have missed God's plan for my life, every time I have sinned, every time I have blowed up my marriage or had issues not treating my children right, it's because I was following the pattern of the world, not counting myself as dead and crucified. But any time that I took on the Word of God, a transformation happened. Has anybody else been through that? A transformation. We were out yesterday in front of the abortion clinic, there was about 20 or 30 directors out there because they were having their national conference with Brother Juan here in Chicago. They paid us such great compliments. All to God be the glory. But one of these dear sisters, she was from the Bay Area. She's in charge of their love life, their pro-life ministry out there. She said, who's that preaching? Is that one of your people? I said, that's one of God's people, yeah. That's in our, that, she's in our church. She said, who is that? I said, oh, that's Sadia. She said, oh, really? I said, yeah, Sadia." Thought she was a boy at one time. Cut her hair like a boy, started dating girls. Put her body in wraps so her woman parts wouldn't show and was pursuing transgenderism. And she did another double take and looked over at her. Saw her preaching with her husband and two beautiful baby children. She said, oh, that must make you feel so good to see that happen. I said, yeah, but it's all God. How could I have gone into her heart and did all that? Now you listen, you have to stop doing this, and you have to start doing this, and you have to stop doing this, and you have to start doing this, and you better do this, and you better, no. You know what I did for her? I gave her the word of God. Like water in that baptism tank, it began to wash her. That's why when you put it towards marriage, that's what husbands are supposed to be doing, leading their families, mothers as well, to your children. We're leading our families with the Word of God, washing them. And then what happens? There's a transformation and a renewal. Notice that. There is a transformation and there is a renewal. Some people have been transformed, but they don't allow themselves to keep getting renewed. You all know how renewals work, don't you? How many have a phone and you better pay that bill or otherwise it don't get renewed? How many have a Netflix account? You better pay that bill or it doesn't get what? Renewed. See, some people have been transformed. They signed up for the subscription. They have something they never had before. Now they're a Christian, but they don't come back daily to be renewed. And then you wonder why there are backsliders out there. I've said to a backslider before, I would be just like you if I thought the way you did. If I filled my mind with what you fill your mind with, your friends, your, your TV shows, your music, your doubts, your belief, I would be right where you're at. But guess what? If you fill your mind with the Word of God, with faith, you'll be right where I'm at, holy and blameless. Oh, you think you're better than us. No, I just think I'm being renewed every day. I'm just coming back to my subscription to the Holy Ghost going, yeah, I still want you here. We pay it down with our life. Notice that you give your body as that living sacrifice. That's how the Lord knows you want to be renewed. As you say, Lord, I belong to you. Sometimes people ask me, okay, well, Pastor, how did you quit smoking? How did you quit drinking? One of the things the Lord told me was so simple. If you don't touch it, 
And if you don't go around it, I'll take the desire out of your heart. And so I stopped hanging around smokers. I stopped buying cigarettes. And then I never smoked again. I'm just saying how it worked for me. My friends invited me one time to a party, and that was the first time and the last time I went back as a Christian. They said, you don't have to do what we do. Just come hang out with us. We miss you. So I came to this one party. I saw them all high and drunk, and I said, man, was I that stupid? Because y'all look stupid. Man, thank God I'm not like that anymore. Being drunk is only cool if you're drunk for that few minutes. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else looking at you like you're a fool, right? So I said, I'm not going back that. And guess what? That's how God kept me holy and pure. You say, is it really that simple? It is in the sense of what God does. But for you and I, it may be a test. I'm not saying there won't be a test. What I'm just saying is there'll come a testimony. There were hard times after that where I was tempted to get back high, uh, get around my friends to get high. I remember one time I was dropping off pizzas, and I was bored, and probably somebody at church didn't, didn't smile at me or wasn't nice to me because I wasn't really happy at that moment, and I wasn't thinking I was all religious, and I was dropping off a pizza to a hotel, and I saw my friends renting the hotel to do what they do, which is get a room and get some girls and get wild. I was tempted, but you know what? I just renewed my subscription to the Holy Spirit that day. I just said, word of God, will you just renew this man? Double me up, 2.0, 3.0 Joe right now. And I went back into my car, and I want to tell you what, I don't regret it one bit. Because God kept me. God kept me holy. He renewed me again. He changed my mind. One last story here, not about myself, but about somebody that I love. When I first got saved, I met a lot of different people of different lifestyles. And one of the women that I met had just come out of an, a, a, a hard divorce. It was tough. And I, and, and I was like so like just inspired by her because I was a young man and she was like a grown woman. And we were going to this conference together. And, and she was saying, man, sometimes I don't even know how to get through my day. I'm so lonely. I'm so sad. She said, but I start reading the Psalms and I start believing that that's what God says over my life. And she said, when I hear Jesus speak to me like that, like how the psalm says, you know, that I rest under the shadow of the Almighty, that the Lord is my shepherd, that he's written down all the days of my life in his book before one even came about, that the Lord is my strength and my refuge. She said, when I go through these psalms and I begin to hear it, I don't need my husband anymore, even though he cheated on me. I don't need that. I've got Jesus. And that always sat in my heart like, man, if God can heal her heart, God can heal my heart. And then people cheated on me in ministry. Girlfriend, uh, I was going to ask to marry me. You guys have heard that story. But I always went back to the Word of God. That's how that life comes, and it washes over you like that baptism. Amen? Can you stand up with me today and give it up for Jesus? Come on. We love His Word. Altar workers and band, would you come? Today, Lord, we...